All right, good evening. How are we doing? Happy Thursday, everybody. Hey, welcome to Red Rocks Young Adults. It's so good to be back. It's been way too long. Um, The Haiti trip left and came back, and some of you, yes, yes, totally, and some of you probably grew facial hair in the last two weeks since we haven't met, and so, or some, hopefully just you guys grew facial hair, and... um, But it is good to be back. It's so great to be with you guys. We're in a series called Swift Me, and uh, this entire series comes from our idea as a staff that while we wish it weren't true, that all of us in here on some level relate to every single one of Taylor Swift's songs. While we wish it weren't true, that sometimes her words mimic our lives. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be such a great series if we took ourselves from a place where pop songs like Taylor Swift's songs you know, kind of were a representation of our life and moved into a place where our relationships were beautiful and healthy and um, full of life and full of Jesus. And so that's why we did this series and um, we're super stoked about it. As you saw, Brendan was up here and he sang, um, I Knew You Were Trouble. Um, And he's awesome. He's one of our interns and we just care about him a ton. Um, Really awesome guy and um, amazing vocal. And so, um, but what I thought would be fun is for the next couple of seconds here is if we walk through how you know a girl or a guy is trouble is that okay if we just do that really quick so so uh here's number one how you know if a guy is trouble number one he takes more time to get ready than you do like like he's like bae bae sorry got blow dry one more time and you're like what It's like four hours. And, okay, number two. This is for the fellas, and then we're going to get to the ladies. Just hold up. Just hold up. Uh, Number two, he lives at home. You know he's trouble if he lives at home. And it's okay if you live at home right now and it's temporary. Uh, It's when... It's when it gets to the point where your mom's still cooking for you and doing your laundry. Then you know it's trouble, okay? Uh, Number three, he has more shoes than you do. Here's the thing. No. No, all of you fellas in here, you have mad, I have mad shoe game. I, I have mad shoe game. I have shoe game. No, you have more shoes than I do. No, you know he's trouble. Number four, he daily Insta updates himself at the gym. This is me. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag beast mode. Hashtag, hashtag getting swole, right? Like. I was asking our staff, I go, how do we know when a fella is trouble? And Connor goes, oh, you know, when he's just like too alpha male. And I was like, what does that mean? And he goes, he goes, Jess, he goes, you can't see it. Like there isn't an action that represents it, but it's kind of like a rotten egg. Like you can't see it, but you can smell it, you know? And I was like, okay. So there it is for whatever that's worth. Uh, He always comes to YA and he wears his flirt shirt, AKA bro tank, hashtag suns out, guns out. <laughs> Guys, just get me. Just give me a second, fellas. I'll get to the ladies. Number seven, he he doesn't like worship music, right? Like we will be having some worship sometimes in here, and and I don't even know how you can't avoid God in in the moments that we have here. And literally, some of you fellas will be sitting there like, oh, guess it's a pretty good light show. <laughs> You know it's trouble. Uh, number eight, he does drive-by flirts. He's like, oh, hey, girl, did you know I love puppies? And then but before, 
before you know it, and you're like having a conversation, but then he goes up to the next girl, and he's like, oh, hey, did you know I'm taking care of my grandma? She's nursing home. You know, like drive-by flirting, and you watch him do it. Number nine, um, he doesn't serve, and this is a more serious one, but literally, any man that doesn't serve or isn't able to serve probably won't be able to serve you in your marriage, and so he's trouble. Number 10. <laughs> Number 10, he doesn't have a J-O-B. <laughs> All right, girls. All right, girls, get, get strapping your seatbelts. Here we go. Here's how you know that a girl is troubled. Number one, she's a drama queen. So... <laughs> So here's what this looks like. She breaks up with you, and then she gets back together with you, and she does it because she enjoys that thing. And you're like, what is your issue, woman? She's like, I love it. It gets my heart going. Drama. Drama, fellas. She's trouble. Number two, she's a one-upper. She, you will tell a story, and she's literally just waiting there like, oh, I just got to wait. I'm just waiting to tell my story. She's trouble. <laughs> no? Yes, they're in here. Yes, they're in here. Number two, okay, this is just me. I'm just airing out my laundry. Number two, uh, number three, strategically wears yoga pants wherever there are men. Oh, I'm sorry. Number four, number four. She's the girl who, I only have guy friends because I don't really get along with girls. <laughs> she owns a cat. Taylor Swift. <laughs> she's, a, she's trouble. She's trouble if she's a serial dater and she can't seem to find her way out of it. Some of us have been there. Some of us have recovered. Some of us are still there. Um, number seven, she's the missing member of the Mean Girls. <laughs> number eight, um, she has more stuff on her than, than is fake, than is real. Fake nails, fake lashes, fake tan. You know, I got fake nails, but we try to keep it real. Number nine. I, these didn't just come for me because most of these have to do with me. Number nine. She isn't a servant because if she can't serve right now, she's hardly going to serve you in your marriage, fellas. And number ten. She won't even let you pick a restaurant because she has a control problem. <laughs> control problem. You know they're trouble. And tonight, what I thought we would talk about for just a little bit, and we we're, we're going to get froggy, we're going to have fun, but what I thought we would talk about tonight, I'm going to be preaching mostly to the ladies in the house, and so, but what I would like for the fellas in the house to do is, um, it is possible that your wife is here right now, if she's not sitting next to you and you're holding her hand as you listen to this message, it is possible, um, it is possible that she's here right now. And so as I preach to her and as I minister to her heart, would you know um, and would you be praying and would you be listening with the intent that there is a woman that is going to come into your life that is going to need to know who she is in Christ and the worth that she has in Christ. And so tonight as I preach to the ladies, fellas, if you could just open up your hearts and kind of um, listen with that, um, that attentiveness and that listening ear. And then um, ladies in here, if you could listen um, for the sake of your heart and for the sake of your marriage. I'm going to talk to you tonight about this thing called worth. This thing called worth. 
because we believe at young adults and we believe as a staff and I believe as a married woman that the only way that we are going to have strong, beautiful marriages is, is, is if we as females understand who we are in Christ and understand what we are worth. The moment that anyone, male or female, doesn't understand what they are worth is the moment that they are uh, heading straight, headlong into trouble. And in Taylor Swift's song, she says this, she says, I guess he didn't care, and I guess I like that. I guess he didn't care, and I guess I like that. And in that moment, what she's revealing is that she doesn't have self-worth enough to recognize a scenario when she is being treated poorly and when someone isn't treating her the way that she deserves and when she is being treated in a way where she doesn't have much worth. And the way that we are going to tackle this tonight is by just reading scripture over ourselves. And so if you guys could tonight, I'd love for all of you to stand just as we read two verses tonight. Proverbs 31, a lot of you know this um, verse, but uh, this is a beautiful verse. Um, It's a beautiful verse about what us women are are, um, designed, I believe, to be. In Jesus. And so it says, A wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. Scripture tells us, girls, that we are worth treasure. That we are treasure. That we are literally compared to a treasure. And then that Proverbs 31 goes on and it says this Proverbs 31, this is probably one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. She is clothed. And I just picture a girl putting on a dress. She is clothed in strength. It's beautiful. And in dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. You are clothed in strength and in dignity, ladies. And what I want to preach to you tonight is the um, sheer value and the sheer worth that God has laid on your life. And I'm just praying that it penetrates so deep into your heart that you walk out of here complete and new. And so um, I titled tonight, You Are Worth It. And so could we all just look at each other with gusto and just say, you are worth it. You just, you are worth it. All right. (laughs) And really quickly, if we could just get, if we could just get, and this is uh, more symbolic than anything. Um, but if we could just get just the fellas in the house on the count of three to just say, you are worth it to the women that, they're, that are in their lives, the sisters that are in their lives, and the women they are going to marry. Ready? One, two, three. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your holy word. And God, I thank you for marriages Marriages that you say will be lighthouses to this world. Marriages that you say will change the atmosphere of our nation. Marriages that you say can actually, um, man, that a cord of three strands is not equally or is not easily broken. And I just pray that tonight, God, that you would just begin to sew up in the ladies of young adults who they are, that they are strong and that they have dignity, God. And um, I set myself aside. Please deliver your word in your way, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You can sit down. All right. It is difficult being a lady. Um, (laughs) It's difficult being a girl because as most of you maybe know, maybe you don't know, but it's hard being a girl because we are trying, okay? We may act like, oh, we don't care what you think. I'm an independent woman. But we like... (laughs) We do care what you think, 
We care what the men and particularly the one man in our lives think. And I remember when um, I was kind of, we, I was initially hanging out with who would soon be and who would eventually be my husband. And we were, we were hanging out one day after church. And uh, we went out to lunch with a couple of friends. And we're all hanging out in a group, and he's kind of sitting, uh, like, I'm at one table, and he's, like, there's connected tables, and he's kind of far, he's a little farther away from me than I was wishing, right? And I'm looking down at my, at my t- I think I had nachos or something, we were at Kidoba, and it was one of those things where, like, I couldn't eat because I was so excited. And I was just like, oh, just don't throw up in your nachos, like... <laughs> You know, whatever you do. And I'm trying to play it cool, and I'm trying to laugh, and I'm trying to be pretty, like the whole thing, right? And I'm looking over at him to see if he's looking at me. And then my girlfriend, Brandy, in this moment, I'm trying so hard to be impressive, to be beautiful, to be all of these things. And my girlfriend, Brandy, looks at me, and she goes, Hey, Jess, can you do your home star runner impression? Can you do it for everybody? And I'm like, No, dude. Like, you are so ruining my game right now. If you don't know, Homestar Runner was this dumb website with cartoons that was on a few years ago. And I can do every character really good. And so she was like, dude, do your, do your impression. Do it. And I'm like, no, dude. And finally, like, the whole table just is like, woo, like, looking at me. And so I have to do it. And so I literally am like, okay, and I go, oh, well, after I have 147 fleshy push marshmallows, I have a tall glass of melonade. And most people laugh, and then I look at John to be like, is he laughing? And he, he just stared at me. <laughs> and, and I literally was like, no, like I ruined my chance, right? Um, but it ended up working out. It ended up working out okay. And a few weeks later, we ended up going on our first date, and it was wonderful. And it's been nothing but beautiful and joyful ever since, and that's the truth. And, um, but we as women, we have something in us where we desire to be found worthy. We desire to be found beautiful. It's in us. It's built in us. The problem is, is when we search for the wrong places and with the wrong people, to find it. And scripture says we are clothed in strength and dignity. And I thought tonight we would read a story about a woman. Her name is Ruth, and she's found in the book of Ruth. And um, she is a beautiful woman, a strong woman. And if you haven't read her story uh, before, I encourage every believer in here to read her story, because we are witnessing a man of God, and then we are witnessing a woman of God in this text. And so if you have your Bibles, Ruth 1, and we will start in verse 1. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live um, for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. Yes. His wife's name was Naomi. And, they had, uh, and the names of his two sons were Milan and Kilian. Uh, they were Ephratites. Somebody give me like a gift after this because this is hard. From Bethlehem, Judah. They were, um, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, Milan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And so this doesn't quite sound initially like the love story that we would hope for. This doesn't sound initially like um, maybe what we are hoping for in a relationship. It sounds like tragedy. We meet this family who had moved from Israel all the way over to Moab, 
And they had moved there in hopes of, of staying alive because of a famine. And the woman Naomi has a husband. She has two sons. They marry Moabite women. One of them is by the name of Ruth. And the husband eventually ends up dying. A few more years go by, and the two sons, Scripture tells us, also pass away. Like, this is just tragic. We meet Ruth. She marries young, and she becomes a widow very young. And according to Scripture, during this portion of time, Naomi comes to her daughter-in-laws, to these people that she has spent the last couple of years building bonds with and having memories with and doing birthday dinners with and hanging out and forming as a family. And she comes to her two daughters and she realizes that as women during this um, time in, ancient, in the ancient world, that the only way they are going to survive is if Naomi returns home to Jerusalem, to her family, and if the other two girls become married again. And so she comes to them and she says this, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husband and to me. And may the Lord grant um, that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud as, and said to her, we will go back to you with your people. But Naomi said to them, return home, my daughters. Why would you come uh, with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if um, I thought there was still hope for me, and even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. And this might sound interesting to us, but um, in Jewish custom and according to the way that they would operate as a family, if you were married to a man and then that man passed away, if he had a brother who was unmarried, that brother was required to marry you and take care of you. It was a way of keeping family intact, and it actually was really beautiful. But Naomi is looking at the daughters, and she says, Daughters, I'm not going to have any more sons. You need to leave. And in order for your livelihood and in order for you to have a happily ever after, you gotta go. It's what she says to them. At this, they wept out loud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth's story begins with immense amounts of tragedy. And like I said, she is a woman who is clothed in strength and in dignity. And in the face of tragedy, instead of seeking for herself and instead of seeking for her own, we see her character on display. And she clings to the side of Naomi and she says, no. Naomi says, go. She says, no, I'm going with you. What kind of strength, what kind of character did this woman have. And I think that Ruth understood something that we need to understand tonight, and that is this, is that the way that we demonstrate our strength right now in this place, ladies, and the way that we demonstrate our dignity right now in this place, ladies, will translate later to our marriages and to our love story. That we begin now demonstrating our strength and demonstrating our dignity for the sake of our love story down the road. She knew this. And so in this moment, she acts out of her character the only way she knows how. And she says, no, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. And so I thought tonight we would take away a few things from Ruth, from her life, from the way that she lived her life, from the type of woman that she was and, and is in scripture. 
And we would say, and we would apply it to our lives and say, God, speak to us about the types of wives and the types of women that you desire us to be. And the first thing is this, that you love people strong. Proverbs says that she is clothed in strength and dignity, that you love people strong and that we understand that the way that we love people in our lives right now will translate to the way that we love people later. Amen? Ruth 1 says this, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. Then Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her and she stopped urging her. Ruth is committed to Naomi. She is committed to a woman who by wedlock is no longer her mother-in-law. But she is loving towards Naomi. She loves her and she loves her strong. And so the question I have for all of us tonight, males, females in here tonight, is this. How are you loving people right now in your life? Family members, friends, siblings, parents. How do you love the people in your life right now? Do you love your friends well? Do you call them? Do you ask them how they're they're doing? Do you value them? Do you speak life over them? How do you take care of your parents right now in your life? Do you give them your time and your attention during big events in your friend's life, like, you know, birthdays and things like that? Do you take moments? Do you spend moments with them? If you're in here and you're married, do you um, love with this tenacity? Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God and your people will be my people. Because here's the deal about our generation is that while we are a generation that is bound and determined to be loved, we are a generation far and wide that has forgotten how to love people really, really, really well. And God says, I have two commandments for you, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we know how to love ourselves. We are a self-obsessed, selfie-stick-holding generation. We know, and some of us in here, and I had to evaluate myself this week, some of us in here are so self-obsessed with our dreams, our ambitions, our goals, our life, what we want, our hopes, our dreams, that we don't take the time to pause for the other people in our lives. Some of us won't take a single moment out of our lives to serve another person. We won't take five minutes to call home But the kind of spouse that we want to be a decade from now, two months from now, whatever it is, that is the kind of love that we need to begin giving to people right now in the spaces that we find ourselves in. What kind of spouse do you want to be a decade from now? Ruth understood this, and so she started to love strong with the people around her. She loved them strong. I was talking with a girl via email back and forth the last couple of weeks and she wrote me and she said, hey Jess, um, I know a few years ago you interviewed a girl and wrote an article about a woman in our church and for those of you who uh, were in our Before Before I Die series at Red Rocks, we did a series and we did a single sermon devoted to a woman named Sam who needed a kidney transplant. There was a woman... um, I'll just try to get through it. There was a woman in our church who uh, was a young adult. She was like 22, 23. 
at the time. And she felt like God was calling her to get tested, and she felt like God was telling her that she was going to be a match for this woman, Sam. And so after meeting um, a very random way with Sam, she said, Sam, you know, um, I would love to, uh, I would love to um, get tested and see if I'm a good kidney donor for you. And uh, they did that, and lo and behold, out of all of the people that could have possibly been a perfect fit, she was a perfect fit for Sam. And so this woman named Christina, who didn't know Sam at all, decided, I will give you my organs so that you, you can live. It was beautiful. And this girl wrote me this week, and she said, dad, or she said Jess, can I get in contact with this girl, Christina, because my dad is sick? Um, and I, I, you know, I think we think I'm a match for him and I'm praying about it and thinking about it. And I want to talk with Christina about possibly donating my kidney to my father. And I remember just having this moment where I was like, my goodness, (laughs) she loves so strong. And she's been communicating with Christina, and they're going to go in for testing next week. And I know a couple things about this woman, this young adult that attends here right now. I know, one, that, um, that she is simply walking out in faithfulness and in love what she knows to do right now. But I know, number two, that whoever marries her is the luckiest son of a gun. Because she knows how to sacrificially love. Do you love strong the people around you right now? Do you love strong? It's so interesting because that verse, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. It's so interesting because that verse we say, um, we say, you know, with archways during weddings where two people are getting married and they'll look into each other's eyes and say this verse. Isn't it interesting that when it's actually said, it's not said in a wedding. It said years before a wedding to a woman by another woman whom she loves. We start loving strong right here, right now, with the people around us. Number two, ladies, we work with dignity. We work with dignity. The text goes on and it says this. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the fields and pick up leftover grain behind anyone in, um, in whose eyes I have fi- found favor. Sorry. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went. She entered the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just as Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, he said, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Then Boaz asked his overseers of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? Ruth, you need to hear this. Ruth is in a position right now where there is no man in sight. And she is going uh, to take care of herself and Naomi. And it's a scenario where they are in need of food and they are in need of shelter. And so what does she do? She doesn't, you know, get on her nails and get on some heels and go to a bar because, you know, I need to find some gold. No. <laughs> Partially joking. <clears throat> she doesn't, like, pout in her room and pray that God will deliver her a man or a husband. No, she says, Naomi, I'm going to go into a field and I'm going to glean after the harvesters and I will make sure that we have enough food and enough shelter to survive. You need to understand that this is a step above begging for her. And number two, that in scripture, when you read Ruth's story, you never get a sense that she is unjoyful. You never get a sense that she is unwilling. And in Colossians, it says this, it says, work willingly 
at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. She has dignity this entire time. And she enters into the field because this is the field that God has given her to work. And she enters into it and she says, I will work this and I will do it with joy and I will do it with gladness. She works willingly. Ladies in here, do you work and have dignity as you work? Do you have passion as you work? Because every single female in here has been given and designed a certain way by our creator to serve him and to serve his kingdom. And what he is hoping you will do is not that you will sit around and wait for a man to come into your life before you engage with your calling, but what he is hoping you will do is that you will enter into the field right now. Scripture says that we seek first his kingdom and that everything else will be added to us. That we go after his kingdom first, that we work for his kingdom first, and that everything will be given to us afterwards. That we don't have to worry about this, this, this next thing or this next scenario. And isn't it interesting that it is only in engaging in your calling... It is only in engaging in your field, the work that God has given you to do, that there will come a moment and there will come a time, Scripture says, as it turns out, she was working in the field of Boaz. As it turns out. Isn't that interesting? As if God wasn't omniscient or knew exactly where he needed you to be so that you would meet the perfect person at the perfect time. Isn't that interesting? Ruth didn't know it was Boaz's field. Do you feel me? She is just working diligently. She is just doing her thing. She is doing her work with dignity. And I love this part because Boaz is looking out in the field and then he says this. He says, who does that woman belong to? And I remember the first time I read it in scripture, I can almost feel Boaz inhale like, like, and this is not the right way to divide scripture, but he says, like, does she belong to anyone? And you need to understand in this moment, she's sweaty and she's probably sunburned and she's in her work clothes. And that's the moment that this man sees this woman and he says, who is that? Who is that girl? When I met John, uh, it was a few years back and I wasn't dressed in heels and like some tight black leather dresses like movies would have you believe. I wasn't on Tinder like, oh, hey. (laughs) Perfect picture, load that. You know, like... I met him working in the field that God had given me. And I was in the field that God had given me, which was interning here at Red Rocks Church. And I was playing the keys one Sunday. And I'll never forget it because for us, for both of us, it was the same day. Um, And I looked over at him and he was watching me. And you ladies know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Who is that girl? Does she belong to anybody? This is how God writes love stories, ladies. Ruth is in the field, and can you imagine if she was at home and not engaging in her calling and not engaging in the field that God had given her? Boaz would look out at that field, and he would see an empty field. And so, girls, what I think God wants to speak to you tonight is to have strength 
and to have strong love towards the people in your life, but also to have dignity in the work that he has given you and to not be apologetic about it and to engage in it and to do it joyfully. If it's at Starbucks, do it joyfully. If it is nannying, do it joyfully. If it's a teacher, if it's a nurse, do it joyfully. If it's being a preacher, do it joyfully. Like whatever it is, do it with joy and understand that at the right time, there will be a man who will come and who will see you and say, who is that woman? working in the field of the Lord. Who is that woman? And also, girls, understand this, that if it does take heels and it takes a black dress and it takes you having fake everything in order for him to notice you, understand um, he's not, he's not the one. He will see you working in the field and say, who is that girl? Number three, We will be vulnerable with our beauty. Be vulnerable with our beauty at the right time and with the right man. The male, and I've talked about this before in scripture, is the initiator and the woman is the responder. The male is the one who pursues and the woman is the one who responds. And so a guy will have to get up and will have to walk over to you at YA and will have to say his name. And then he'll ask you your name. And oftentimes girls will be like, well, Jess, that's awesome, but like, what should I do? Like, should I text him, like, or reach out, or like, poke him on face? Like, what do I do? You know? (laughs) And I'm like, no, don't do any of those things, you know? But I do, if I, if I had you ladies in my office, and, and, um, If I were sitting one-on-one with you, what I would tell you is that there is a time and a place to reveal your beauty. Um, Sorry, I'm like teary. Um, I think it's because I have a daughter. Ruth, at a certain point in time, uh, she engages in this work relationship with Boaz where she continues to work in the field and he treats her extremely well and with so much generosity and with so much respect as any man in here should treat any woman. And he um, gives her so much dignity, as much dignity as he's able and he allows her to stay with the other women workers and gives her water and food, as much food as her and Naomi can handle. And then at one point it kind of changes gears. And I think Ruth realizes that It is possibly Boaz that she wants to reveal her beauty to. And she talks about it with Naomi, and they um, kind of have a discussion, and Naomi says, well, then this is what you must do. Go and lay at the feet of Boaz, which I know sounds interesting, but let me get to it, and I'll explain. Go and lay at the feet of Boaz while he sleeps and uncover his feet. And she does this. And what you need to understand is that this is a beautiful, 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 nothing happens that night. They have a DTR. It's awesome. But in a moment, there is a moment where the girl reveals her beauty. There is a moment where Ruth reveals her heart. And sometimes as women, we are told, and this is important, we are told, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Out of it flows all of the issues of life. And so as females, especially females who have grown up in the church, who have had bad experiences with men, we will be pursued or we will want to show our beauty, but we've been told, guard our hearts. And so we're like a stiff stone wall towards every man that ever tries to come up to us. All of the time, I will hear girls be like, I don't know why guys don't pursue me and then all of the guys will be like I'm trying to pursue her but like she ignores me (laughs) and at the right time 
and with the right man. You just open up your heart, girls. You open up your heart. And if you're like, Jess, well, how do I know what's the right time? If you're asking that question, it's not the right time. And you're like, well, how do I know if it's the right man? Simple, three things, that he loves God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind and all of his strengths, and he loves people as he loves himself. I always read from Philippians, and it says this in Philippians 4, 8. It says, uh, it's not up here on the screen, so just listen to it. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence or any praiseworthy thing, dwell on these things. I take that and I apply it to males in my life or I applied it to a man in my life. And I ask myself this, is he true? Is he honorable? Is he righteous? Does he have a lovely heart? Does he have a good reputation, girls? Is he excellent in his life? And finally, does he have a J-O-B? And I'm sorry. (laughs) Does he love God? Does he love others? Does he have the heart of Philippians 4.8? And if so, at that point, girls, it's just up to you. And you reveal your heart. You reveal your heart. You love people strong, You work with dignity, and at the right time, with the right man. You just show who you are. Um, The last thing that I want to impart to the ladies, and probably the most important thing, is I want to impart to you what I believe God's heart is for you tonight, and that's this, that you are worth it. That you are worth it. After Ruth is vulnerable, Boaz does what the righteous man does, and he goes and he makes arrangements, and he goes to town, and he makes sure that he is doing everything that is right by the law, and he tries to honor the people around her and the family members around her. Um, He is such a man of integrity. If you read about him, he's just incredible. And um, they go, and I, as I read this, I had never read this part of the scripture before, but when she goes and she lays at his feet... When she goes and she lays at his feet, this verse is what I read, and I read it with new eyes this week. Um, It said, I am your servant, Ruth. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian redeemer of our family. And I didn't understand what that word guardian redeemer was, and so this week I did some research, and I realized that a guardian redeemer of a family was a man within a large family with cousins and second cousins and, you know, twice removed and whatever. Like, as big as the Jewish family was, there was a guardian redeemer of every family, and that man was in charge of redeeming the family, no matter what it took. And so if the family lost land, he was in charge of buying it back. If the family um, were to have some type of, um, you know, something happen to a son or to a daughter, he would be the one that would take vengeance. If, the, um, if something were to go awry or the family were to go askew, he would be the one that was in charge of redeeming the family. And so she comes to him and she says, according to Naomi, because I'm not related to, with you, but you are related to Naomi and you are my kinsman redeemer. You are my guardian redeemer. And then she says, cover me with your garment. And that, that phrase, cover me with your garment, comes from Ezekiel 16, where it says that um, God made covenant with his people and he covered them with his garment and said, you are mine. I read further and that word guardian redeemer, the only other time it's used is in reference 
in Isaiah to when we are hearing a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. And so stick with me. As I started reading this week, I started to realize once again that every portion of our lives and every portion of what we are built to do in marriage still comes back to this thing called the gospel. And that a guardian redeemer is essentially a Christ-like figure in our lives. We're reading the story of Ruth and right there in the middle of it, Jesus is saying, ladies, do you understand what you are worth? Girls, do you understand that in scripture, Jesus talks about, and this is males and females alike, but God talks about our worth and he essentially measures our worth the day that Jesus died. Because when God sent his son, the moment that Jesus died on a cross and bled for us, he labeled your worth and he said, you are worth it. You are as worthy to me as my son. You are worthy of someone laying down their life for you. And girls in here tonight, you need to understand Ephesians 5 says this. It says, husbands, fellas, buckle your seatbelts. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water of the word, to present her to himself radiant without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, blemish, but holy and blameless. Scripture tells us specifically that when we are to marry, that the females act as the church and that the males act as Christ. And so what it means is this, that when it comes to sacrifice, he goes first. That when it comes to laying down his life, he goes first. And I would wish that it was different so that I could preach as a female and say, oh, you know, but I can't. This is how it's laid out. And so we get the job of simply receiving a life laid down. And ladies, you need to understand two things tonight. Two things, one, that Jesus came to give you your worth and to say you are worth it. You are as worth it to me as my son. You are worth a life laid down. And number two, that you have the complete ability to wait for a man who will be your guardian redeemer who will be as unto you as Christ is unto the church, who will go first in his sacrifice, who will go first in the laying down of himself, who will go first in the laying down of his rights. And here's the deal, girls. If that is not him, then my advice to you is this. Wait. (laughs) Wait. For all of the gentlemen in here tonight, I know it's a tall order being as un- as, as like Jesus in your marriage. Some of you are married right now, but I want to tell you this, that Jesus has given you his spirit in order for you to live up to this call and in order for you to lead your family with diligence and with beauty and with grace. And so with everybody standing tonight before we worship, I just have one question. So with every eye closed in here, if you're in here, Um, in here guy, girl, doesn't matter. This is the first time that you've heard about a God who loves you so much. He didn't do it out of obligation. He did it out of pure love for you. If this is your first time of hearing about that kind of a Jesus and you're saying, I would love to know that Jesus. I would love to know that kind of love, a guardian redeemer who redeems me, who redeems me back to him.
who washes me with his word. If that's you in here and you would like to receive Christ for the very first time, would you just raise up your hand high, high and proud, high and proud. Awesome. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Amen. And um, I'm going to pray for us and pray for the people that raise their hand. God, thank you so much for salvation. Thank you for tonight. God, I pray over the people that received you tonight, God, that they would know that you are for them. God, that um, in this moment it says that if we don't show um, any shame towards your name here on earth, you won't show shame towards us in heaven. And I just thank you that, um, that the people that are coming into your kingdom tonight have passed from death to life. And I pray um, over all of the ladies in this room, God, that they would understand tonight that they are strong, that they have so much dignity, and God, that you are um, just speaking them, uh, speaking over them tonight. And I just know that in your spirit, you are speaking to them about their worth. And so as we worship God, I just, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. We love you. You're our bridegroom. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.